Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to another Mount Buckmore on Buckeye Talk, and I am sick to my stomach. Woo, isn't that a good way to start a podcast? Doug Maurice, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird. Usually I'm not sick to my stomach until we're about 10 minutes into the podcast, and I see where it's going. It's not a good <laughs> sign that you're starting off queasy. I'm so nervous. I'm so, I'm so nervous. It does. I feel like all, all the kids out there to all the kiddos you know we do we know we have a younger demographic uh, for part of our buckeye talk audience if you're in school right you, you have those moments where you're walking into school you know you have a test coming up or they drop a test on you you weren't expecting or you feel like you didn't study enough and you have that knot in your stomach you know that gets better hopefully you find a job in life where you don't have to have that knot in your stomach all the time. And frankly, you know, blathering on podcasts, I don't have it most of the time, but that's the knot I have. I have the tests, knot, Nathan. I have the God, I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know if my answers are right. And I'm worried that the listeners are going to slide it back with like a nice, like 61 big, big D for big D on this test. And that that's why I feel sick because I'm mm. nervous about about getting this wrong mostly related to the cornerbacks because it is really, really difficult. And, you know, some people might say, Doug, it's, it's, it's literally a college football podcast. What are you doing? But this matters to us, doesn't it? We're, we're, we're staking our, our thoughts on history here. It does matter to us, but I almost felt if to use your test analogy, I felt like a, like fourth grader being sent to take a calculus exam a little bit. (laughs) It's just like, I can't, like you can't possibly expect me to pass this test. I'll do the best I can, but it's, it's not going to happen. I came to two conclusions as I was doing this last night. Um, We're recording this on a Thursday and I was doing this Wednesday night. Um, Defensive line wasn't as hard as I thought it would be because once you take a little step back, it gets simple cornerback. I am, pretty much sure that we might all only have one in common. And then after that, it comes down to like who you prefer and what you value. And that's okay. Well, I I hope our, I hope our teachers, the people in this audience right now are, are kind graders and they, they accept the idea of, well, maybe there's no 
right answer here. Maybe it's just who you prefer. I do think the defensive ends are easier. So we're going to start there and try to vanquish the pit in my stomach to start. Cause I do think there are some obvious ones here. This is Mount Buckmore. This is picking four players at each position who you would put on a mountain of Ohio state. Greats. What are the qualifications? Well, kind of whatever you think, obviously accomplishment on the field, how they made you feel as a fan, the highlights, their sort of status, their essence, their presence, what they've done after their Ohio State career certainly has an effect. You know, do they amplify their greatness? Did they maybe sort of fade off a little bit? However you want to think of it, but then when you, when you walk up to a mountain and say, man, look, those are the greats of this position, you, you feel like it's representative. And I do that. That conversation is going to come in a lot in the cornerback discussion, at least for me trying to be representative to some degree, but defensive end, Steven, who's your number one defensive end as we again, squeeze two position groups into this one Buckeye talk, Steven, who's your number one edge rusher? Tayshon, he has 30 sacks, 16 and a half of them came in a season. He was a Heisman Trophy finalist. And quite honestly, if the NCAA wasn't stupid, he'd be Ohio State's all-time leader in sacks. So I think it's possible that we underestimated Chase Young's greatness while he was here. Nathan, did you have Chase Young at the top of your list? Yeah. It says something when you are at a position at a school that already has this sort of aura around it, and then you kind of redefine it. I I, I don't know what's more Buckmore than that. He is like, so listen, we we included Jack Tatum in the cornerback discussion because he played all over the field, but he did lock up on receivers for much of his career. Jack Tatum remains a name 50 years later that is at least known to Ohio State fans. It carries a legacy. It immediately conjures a style of play for all the greats that have been here. I think when you hear Jack Tatum, you still understand that Jack Tatum is different. And these are, we're three guys who were not even alive when Jack Tatum was playing football. I think it's possible, Stephen. 50 years from now, Chase Young will be that for Ohio State defensive ends. That of all the greats, people will still be like, oh, Chase Young. That guy did it in a way that I didn't live through it, but I know exactly what it means when I hear that name and I hear Ohio State football. It's because it's 16 and a half sacks with what, like six forced fumbles. It was, it's the all 16 and a half of those sacks meant something. They were game-changing plays. Sacks are already game-changing, but it's like you can get a sack in the first quarter on like second and seven, and it's, I mean, it's a sack. His sacks were coming on like third downs and seven where you absolutely needed to stop. And seven of to the discussion we had, I think, on Wednesday's pod about where we felt like the leader this year in, on the defensive line had to be in sacks. And I think we, I said seven to ten or something like that. Chase had seven sacks in Penn State-Wisconsin game. So basically, we need the leader this year to do what Chase did in two games, along with the fact that he was a five-star recruit who had all these expectations coming in, and somehow he exceeded all of that. Because I don't, no one's thinking he's going to be a Heisman Trophy candidate when he gets here. I think even in this conversation about how Chase Young was underrated, we are still underrating him. I think if we were doing a whole episode that was just defensive ends, we could do a segment on whether Chase Young is pound for pound the best football player in Ohio State history. Mm-hmm. Sounds like an offseason podcast for next summer. And he's about he's, to be a Hall of Famer. Like, I mean, the way he's going right now. Well, I mean, that, 
that that's real. I mean, he's one year in on that. We'll see. But I mean, it, a lot of things can go wrong. But um, I mean, it, it's 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 Orlando Pace. It's Archie Griffin. It's Chase Young. It's I mean, there's a very short list that I think he belongs on. When you're just talking about just the greatest football players in Ohio State history. So three years here, 14 total sacks his first two years, 16 and a half sacks, broke the single season Ohio State record his third year. Year one, he's their fifth defensive end, backing up four very established veterans, but he's flashing a little bit. Year two, he's very good. He's supposed to be paired with Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa in the middle of the third game has an injury that he's lost for the season. And Chase is dealing with double high ankle sprains at various points in the year and is good, is certainly good but is not an absolute game wrecker in year two. And in year three, he's the best player in college football and one of the best players we've ever seen at Ohio State. As we do all these things, Nathan, you know, for instance, there are other guys on this list who are going to have, so Chase is how we say this, Chase's best year is the best year because he's the best guy. There are going to be other guys we're going to discuss who's their second best year is better than Chase's second best year. You know, if you know what I mean by that, does that matter or is it like, well, we knew it was coming. He left early. He only had one peak year, but the injuries slowed him down a little bit. And he was still very good in year two. And the peak was so high. You needed an oxygen mask. So I don't care if he wasn't a three-time All-American, right? Or, or does that influence the discussion to some degree? I think in his case, because the peak is so high, that it changes the conversation a little bit. It's not just that he came back and was, oh, he made a couple All-American lists and he was a high draft pick. It was, he was a Heisman Trophy finalist at a position that doesn't do that. He was a unanimous All-American. He set the single season record for sacks, even though he missed two games, partially from NCAA's archaic rules, partially of his own, you know, mistake. Um, but just the, the what he packed into that season was a... a in different kind of dominance than we usually are referring to when we talk about players being dominant. Before we, I, I, we keep referring to that second year. It's, it's okay. Um, ten and a half sacks with a dude who has some ankle sprains. I don't know, that's not okay. That like with yeah. high ankles, it's just, I'm looking at these numbers and I'm wondering, it, obviously he didn't have the hype Nick had coming into that 2018 season. Cause he's year two, Nick's year three. But if Nick had gone on to do exactly the numbers that chase young would have had his sophomore year, his junior year, Nick would have been a consensus all American. He put up all American numbers while having high ankle sprains and not really being the focus until what was that game four when uh, Nick went down with an injury. So I don't, I don't, I don't know if his second year is that wide of a gap. It's just his best year is just so crazy and out there that we diminish what a really good 10 and a half sacks, 14 and a half tackle for lost season that sophomore year was. And we constantly go, Draymond Jones was the best defensive lineman that year, which he probably was, but the numbers would say it's Chase. It's a good argument. That's a, that's, that's real. It depends. I mean, you know, we're talking about, Hey, can Zach Harrison have a great year this year? And we're saying like, if he has 10 sacks, that'd be a great year. And Chase had 10 and a half with, yeah. with injuries. And it's like, oh, how good was it? Because the peak is so good. Nathan, to your point, not the step on the pod that we're going to do on. Let me check real quick. Probably like, I would say June 17th, 2022. You can mark <laughs> it down for us to do this pod. If you're talking about pound for pound, right? Best Buckeyes ever. I think you might go off the top of my head. You might go Jack Tatum in the secondary, Chris Spielman at linebacker, Chase Young on the defensive line, Archie at running back. 
uh, Orlando Pace on the offensive line, Troy Smith at quarterback, and then maybe you like you throw Chick Harley in there somewhere, right? Because he's Chick Harley. But like I think, like who that that's what we're talking about, Nathan. That's what we're talking about with Chase, which is why he's overwhelmingly number one. Stevens Point, he's the second all time guy in total sacks at Ohio State behind Mike Vrabel. He had 30 and a half in his three seasons, but between the suspension and his third year, between the injuries, his second year, you could see how like, oh yeah, well that he probably should have been number one. And again, that peak for a long time, Vrabel had the single season mark for like 20 years before Joey Bosa broke it. And then Chase Young broke that. So like, that is, that is like pretty impressive that that was, that was something that, that was talked about. A lot. Well, actually, Vernon Golston barely mm-hmm. broke Vrabel, then Bosa. So Vrabel had 13 in 1995. That was a big thing. Vernon Golston had 14 in 2007. Joey Bosa had 13 and a half in 2014. So Joey Bosa never held it. But then Chase broke Vernon Golston's record with 16 and a half in 2019. And it's like, that's way, 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 way out there. We're united on that. He's the clear number one. Nathan, who's number two at defensive end? And by the way, Chase won, won the texture boat. How close was it? Uh, the texter vote. And again, if you want to be a texter and get to vote on this stuff, I have not sent out the linebackers yet. I will do that um, Saturday. I'll send out the linebacker poll so we can start voting on that. And we'll give anybody listening to this on Friday think, oh, man, I want to vote for the linebacker poll. You have time to get in 614-350-3315. And if you're hearing this, if you're not listening to this until Saturday or Sunday and you want to join and then you join and you're worried, oh, Doug already sent out the linebacker thing, I'll send it out a second time. Or when you join, send me a text and say, hey, can you resend me personally the linebacker vote? And I'll send it to you. Uh, 1.6. Again, you ranked all these guys. I sent 12 defensive ends to be ranked. If you get every single first place vote, you'd be 1.00. Chase was 1.60, which is really high. Second place is 2.3. So that's how big the gap was between Chase Young and everybody else. Who is your second, Nathan? Well, two through four for me are could really go in any order. So I'll just I'm gonna reach back and go chronological and go with Mike Vrabel, who is the all-time sacks leader for the program. Uh, 36. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if I agree that Chase Young just missing two games gets him six more sacks, um, even though he was playing some pretty bad teams. Yeah, it's, it's Maryland and Rutgers. Best, but, <laughs> but he was only going to play, you know, two quarters of those games each. So um, not saying it is impossible, but I'm not saying I'm not giving it to him. I, you know, Vrabel, but Vrabel did play that fourth year, but it yeah. wasn't just an accumulation for Vrabel. He still had good peaks. I mean, he had a 13 sack year, a 12 sack year. He was still an, an intimidating presence. It wasn't just that he, uh, you know, tried hard and and found himself with this record at the end of his career. Um, w- was a real guy up there, and is a guy that even after maybe a, a, a Chase Young and guys like that have, like I said, sort of redefined even what we think of as as defensive and greatness at Ohio State. I, Vrabel's name still comes up partially because he's at the top of that list. And everybody chases him. But I think there's also and partially because of him staying in the public eye with his coaching. But also, I think there's just a respect for his game that has endured and and is is always going to be kind of a part of this defensive end conversation at Ohio State. 
Stephen, did you have Mike Vrabel? Yeah, he was three for me, but I actually agree with Nathan that two through four for me could have been interchangeable and going anywhere. I think it's the the his actual playing career, both in college and in the NFL, quality career there for mostly for the Patriots. And then it's he comes back and he's a coach and he develops his own pass rushers at the position. And now he's a head coach for the Tennessee Titans who are doing pretty well. It's 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 all of that combined, starting with he's I mean, he's the career he's the career leader in sacks and he he's transcended himself four different times now and has been quality at every single step of the way. Career leader in sacks, career leaders in, in tackles for loss, two-time Big Ten defensive lineman of the year, three-time first-team All-Big Ten, two-time first-team All-American. I think, even in my own head, he is underrated that I knew he was very good. He's a no-brainer. Like, he is a no-brainer on this list, statistically. And, you know, Steve Spurrier was a Heisman Trophy winner and went on to be, a, you know, a great college football coach. I, I, I'm just doing off the top. I mean, off the top of my head, I'm sure there's a million things I'm I'm not thinking of. I'm just like, oh my god, there's not a ton of guys, right, who are outstanding, outstanding, outstanding players who become great coaches. Mm-hmm. Like Mike Vrabel is early on in this. From the minute he retired, people had him pegged as a guy who might be a great coach. He has a unique combination of sort of like a, I don't know, like a down and dirty, try hard like tough guy that you think would be a great coach, but who, by the way, is like tremendously skilled and has raw talent out the wazoo. That is like, he is a unique combination of this. And this guy's going to coach in the NFL for 30 years, mm-hmm. unless he decides to come back and be Ohio state's head coach in 10 years. You know, then when he was here and his assistant, he comes back, he retires from the Patriots, tremendous, tremendous NFL career. I, again, I'm going to say, I, this might be wrong. Could you argue that of the Patriots dynasty, he's the second most important player or the second most, maybe not most important, second most defining player? Because they moved a lot of people in, a lot of skill guys, you know, Troy Brown and then became Julian Edelman. You know, like it's like they, they moved a lot of guys around Brady. They brought in a new running back every year. Randy Moss was great, but he wasn't there for all that long. Like Mike Vrabel was like a defining player of that earlier run of the Patri- Patriots dynasty. He put up a thing on Twitter the other day. It's like Tom, they were, it was, I guess the Titans and the Bucks were doing something in the preseason. And Mike Vrabel put up a photo of like Jack Brady talking to his favorite former Patriot, also pictured Tom Brady. And it was like Jack Brady's Tom Brady's son, like hanging out with Vrabel. Vrabel's a legend who's going to have a huge coaching career who was an unbelievable player at Ohio State. So I will tell you, he was third on my list, but maybe he should be second. He was third for the Texters, but he was barely ahead of fifth. And like Mike Vrabel has to be on this list. Mm-hmm. So number two got 2.33. Mike Vrabel was third at 5.13. This is how close it was. Number four was 5.16. Number five was 5.20. So it was 5.13, 5.16, 5.20 for three, four, five. Mike Vrabel was three, but that's how close he was to not making it for the Texters. And he has to make it. He has to make it. He had multiple. The thing I was sort of asking you before, Nathan, about like, hey, you know, like Mike Vrabel's second best year. Steven, to your point, Chase Young's second best year. I, I talked that down too much. But like Mike Vrabel was like had two monstrous, no doubt about a year. Now he did stay. But like, and again, and by the way, it's like his best friend's the guy who then took over as Ohio State's head coach. And now is a sense like he has a, the other thing about Vrabel, he's a Cleveland, he's a Cleveland area guy, Ohio guy. He is like, a Buckeye, like multiple ways, right? That, that it, you don't have to be 
from Ohio, but you know, it's so for it some people, it, it's, it's a little bit of a tiebreaker, right. And a lot of other guys on this list, I'll tell you the other guys really, to me, a lot of them really in consideration, like are not from Ohio. And so this is a guy. And if you made a list of like all the players that we're going to do, who are going to be on a Mount Buckmar as a player, which one of them could be Ohio state's head football coach someday. I like, I think Vrabel's the only one on the list. Does anybody really think that, you know, it's just the what the paths they chose, but like Chris Carter is not going to be Ohio State's head coach someday. Troy Smith is not going to be Ohio State's head coach someday. Chris Spielman is not going to be Ohio State's head coach someday, but like Mike Vrabel could be. So anyway, Vrabel is clearly on there. It's a good choice, Nathan, to get to him. I'll go to the other guy that I thought there were three obvious ones, and Joey Bosa is obvious. I, I don't know how you can not have Joey Bosa on there. I had him second. He burst on the scene as a true freshman in 2013, is probably the best overall player on the national championship team in 2014, puts up huge numbers as part of that. 2015, we know is really weird. We know he's double teamed. We know his sack numbers go way down, but then he's still the first non-quarterback taken in the NFL draft. He's a really good NFL player. But again, I think on a, you know, as you think about the stuff, Stephen, we keep, we talk about a lot, national championships. He's, probably the best player on a national championship team, which is not that you would have any doubt anyway, based on talent, based on stats, but that puts it over the top. He has to be on here. He was my second guy. He was the texter's second guy. What about you, Steven? He's my second guy. And I think the reason why he's my second guy is like, take the championship out of it. He still makes this list. That's the thing. He, he's, he was that dominant that he still makes this list. And the championship is probably what, it's probably what put him over Mike Vrabel for me, but it's just, that was too dominant to the point that it, we talked, Chase Young got double team too, but it wasn't the same. And they, and because it wasn't the same, Chase got to take advantage of it, have 16 and a half sacks. Joey Bosa got doubled on and triple teamed on every single snap in 2015, because you were an idiot. If you didn't given what he did his first two years. Uh, is he uh, also on your list, Nathan? Yeah, I mean, he was one of those guys who I think you go in any order. If I guess I had to um, pick just based on merit, he might have been my number two as well. Um, and to me, it's it's it, this might not be fair, but when you start talking about Joey Bosa versus Nick Bosa, you think of how good Nick Bosa was and how strong of a career he has. And then Joey just being on another echelon above that really kind of puts it in perspective of just how great he was and how much he sort of demands to be on a list like this. Uh, just because, I, I, I mean, just because uh, Nick is hard because it's like he got injured and he we're was also. We're not on okay, Nick. Cool. We're not on Nick. Cool. We, we go in order. We talk about individual people. That's, that's cool. uh, yeah. Don't worry. We'll okay. get to Nick. Okay, cool. Joey Bosa, uh, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year in 2014. He is a two-time consensus All-American, even though his his stats in 2015 you know, we're way down, at least in terms of sacks. He, he had 13 and a half in 2014. He had five in 2015. You know, I think people still kind of respected it, but also, you know, I don't know. I mean, to some degree, stats are stats. He still had a lot of tackles for losses, tackles for loss. 2013, he had 13.5. 2014, he had 21.5. 2015, he had 16. So we know that 15 season was weird. He's still very good. He's the, the defensive rookie of the year in the NFL when he gets in there. Uh, I do think... I had him second ahead of Rabel. I mean, if we had a, if Mount Rushmore, if, if Gortz and Bulgum, I can't figure his name out at some point, had decided to only put two faces on, I think we could have a fight over Mike Rabel and Joey Bosa. Chase Young is for sure. 
I mean, with everything that we talked about with Mike Vrabel, if we if we had to parse those two, I think we could have a fight about it. I'm glad we don't have to have a fight about it because the defensive end still should be fun. Joey Bosa is on for everybody. I thought, Nathan, clear top three, which is why the defensive ends were kind of fun. They're all dominant. They're all they all are at least fairly recent and two are very, very recent. They all conjure good memories for Ohio State fans. They they put it down on tape. They put it down in stats. Three very easy ones, I thought, and then I thought number four was difficult. Do you agree with that? Um, four was not that difficult for me, but I'll listen to the arguments that you guys have if we ended up picking different people. But I agree that these three, I thought, were were locks in a different way. I mean, when you've got the all-time career leader, the all-time um, single-season leader, who who knows what he would have put up if he'd come back for a fourth year, which kind of just would have been unfair to college football. And and then and then Joey Bosa, too, it, it, who had um, some of, of both of those elements going for him. I, yeah, this was three really kind of locked up guys. The top three were very similar to how I did running back, where I just wrote these three names down and then decided to and then started my discussion there. No, I agree. I did the same thing. So, Nathan, where did you go with number four? I went Vernon Golston. There are Jets fans out there. If uh, the, the, the those who are uh, combination Ohio State fans, Jets fans are are throwing up a little bit because obviously he did not have the NFL career that many expected. But a guy who I think because of what he was at his peak, the thing I guess that I want most out of a defensive end is not just production. I think there's got to be a a air of sort of intimidation and and fear that comes from that. And this guy, I mean, 22 and a half sacks, but it was really in two seasons. He didn't play much his first year and then came back eight and a half his second year, 14 the third year, and was just a guy that who, who set a, a, a different kind of tone on, on the defensive line. I did not even consider him for one second. And that might be... Because you covered him? The bias of covering him. And so we can, we can get into that. Nathan, or Steven, did you consider Vernon Golston? Yeah. Did you, did you put him in? I didn't put him in. I did consider him, though, because, I mean, he had two, 20 in two years. It's just it's impressive. But I also am from Columbus, so I kind of know a little bit of the backstory a little bit. And so that's too much of a caveat for me to not, even with the st- the number. The raw starts are what they are. But when you put them in context, it's not as impressive as some of the other people who are on the list. So I, I didn't cover everybody I considered. And this is this is uh, Nathan. This is the part of it is like it's just. It's just different. If we had somebody on who'd covered them since 1991, they'd have a lot of great things to say about the guys in the 90s that like I don't have context on. I have context on Vernon Golston. He is not the same type of football player that the other guys on this list are. He is a fearsome pass rusher at times, but he didn't, you know, his background is he's he's a cast tech guy in Detroit. He's one of the first cast tech guys to come to Ohio State. It's the story of like, he's this big kid walking the hallway. He doesn't really like football that much, but you know, the high school coach is like, Hey, are you the new teacher? And he's like, no, I'm the ninth grader. And he's like, well, you're playing football now. So he was always a guy who I don't think ever really loved football, who played football because he was so good at it. But I think we saw that his whole career. You saw it in the NFL. He was a bust in the NFL to me, he's a, even though he did have that buildup year with eight and a half sacks, he still is um, more of a flash in the pan to me. 
And everybody remembers, I mean, he, he dominated Jake Long, who went on to be the number one pick in the NFL draft at tackle in that Ohio State-Michigan game. He terrorized Michigan. But the other three guys that are in consideration here for me are Will Smith, Cam Hayward, and Nick mm-hmm. Bosa. And they are all just better football players than Vernon yep. Golston. And so that is not a shot at Vernon Golston, but I can't put Vernon Golston on a mountain. And I can't put him up there with guys like Chase Young, Joey Bosa, and, right, and Mike Vrabel when it comes to just overall footballness. So, I, I, but the fearsomeness, Nathan, like the the what you're talking about, you're looking for this extra thing. I mean, that guy at his peak, his last year at his peak, like I think you would, you might have, you'd be shaking right as he got ready to pass rush against you. you and if you're a quarterback, you'd be looking out of the corner of your eye because you think that guy's coming after me. And he is just a, he is a fearsome pass rusher, but that's not where I went. Steven, where did you go? I went John Simon actually. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Sell it. Kind of the first of this urban Meyer era. Of really elite pass. I know he was here before Urban Meyer got here, but that's when he really took off at that 2012 season. And the year before, that's weird because it's a bad season for all state. But that 2012 season, nine sacks, 44 tackles, 14 and a half tackles for loss. He was, uh, we had, it, it had kind of been a while since Vernon Golson has been around and then did what he did. And I feel like he was just, he, he jump started all this. That it's John Simon, then it's Joey Bosa, then it's Taekwon Lewis, then it's Nick Bosa, then it's Chase Young, and now we have what we have. And I just always felt like John Simon was kind of the jump starter of that. And also, he's one of the very, most important people on Ohio, Urban Meyer's first Ohio State football team. I am, I am surprised by that. I also I did not consider John Simon for one second, just like Vernon Golson, but for completely different reasons. Because like John Simon is like a – John, I mean, John Simon, you know, is like the closest thing that Urban Meyer had at Ohio State to Tim Tebow. Mm-hmm. But, and he's been a good NFL player. He's been good. But his upside to me is not, again, in this at the same level of Nick Bosa, Vernon Golston, Cam Hayward, Will Smith, like very good football player, but not fearsome. Like good in every way. Like it's like, it's practically the opposite case of Vernon Golston, like very, very good football player. But I don't know that, that anybody was ever that nervous lining up across from John Simon. It's like, man, this guy's a complete player, but you know, I'll take my chances and, and he'll get me Fair. sometimes, but I'm not, I'm not afraid of it. Fair. I think the consistency matters in the constant production while with the other three guys you named and we'll find out which one it is. It's just these huge asterisks that I just can't overlook. And some of it's not their fault. It's some of it is the position they played or just things that happened, but it happened. And you have to take all of that into account when you're making a decision like this, no matter how much, how good, you know, they actually were. Uh, I don't think the other, I, I think, I mean, Nick Bosa has an asterisk. I, I thought this was going to be like a, is it Nick Bosa or not conversation? And that is not what, it, what this is so far. <laughs> did either of you guys, cons- how much did either of you guys, Nathan first consider Nick Bosa for this spot? He was definitely on my radar, certainly. Um, but again, I think when you have a position that has this much talent and this much production, it's hard for me to say what might've been and then bump him over the guys who actually did produce. I think that that is worth something at the end of the day. And he never 
had quite that. It, it wasn't just, there's other guys that we've talked about um, like Keith Byers, where we say what might've been, we didn't get to see another year of it. We didn't get to see the full career of him with Nick Bosa. I'm not sure we ever even really saw the full peak for even one season. And that's what I think left him just off of my list. He's fifth for me because of that exact reason, whether it's because he was in a loaded room and so they didn't just throw him out there and let him go eat or it's because he got hurt. We just he never got to have his moment as the guy in the defensive line room, the way a lot of these other guys have had that opportunity to do. He's also not on my list for basically the same reason. So so it found it sounds like we all thought about Nick Bosa and none of us went with Nick Bosa. I'm just surprised where you guys did go, but I will tell you that the texters went with Nick Bosa. Barely. And the, this was a, a one where it's like, I send out the text and they vote. And then I said, Hey, by the, I usually always send a reminder. Hey, by the way, here it is again. If you, if you haven't voted in the survey yet. And when I, af- after the first round of voting, where it had kind of slowed down, somebody else was fourth. And then when I sent the reminder and said, hey, by the way, last chance to vote for defensive end, the next round of voting came in and Nick Bosa jumped this guy and Nick Bosa got the fourth. Also, all things being equal, his brother's on. Like, uh, like honestly, like if it's, it's, you know, it's a great Bosa legacy, but if it's close, it's like, well, when you look at the mountain and look at Joey Bosa's face, then you can turn to your, to your friend or your kid or your spouse and be like, oh, by the way, his brother was really good too. So in a tiebreaker for a mountain, I'm also slightly taking that into consideration. You know what we can really do? We can take both of them off and just put their uncle on and say, look who started all this. That's true. <laughs> Eric Kumaro is is in uh, was one of the guys you could vote for. He finished 11th, though. And I'm not even sure how many of the people voting know for sure that that is Nick and yeah. Joey's uncle. The, he's the brother of Cheryl Bosa, mm-hmm. her mom. Uh, I will say Vernon Golston finished seventh in the vote. John Simon finished eighth in the vote. Tyquan Lewis, ninth. Alonzo Spellman, 10th. Eric Kumro, 11th. Matt Finkus, 12th. So that means, uh, again, the texters, Chase Young, Joey Bosa, Mike Vrabel, Nick Bosa were the top four. So that means the other two guys that were fifth and sixth are the guys that I kind of came down to, and that's Cam Hayward and Will Smith. Will Smith, All-American in 2003, really important player of the 2002 National Champions, went on to be a first-round draft pick in the NFL, tragically killed, uh, I mean, in, in uh, an incident, in a gun incident, uh, after a traffic situation. I, I mean, a great, a great defining player of Ohio State football who played for a national champion, was an incredibly important player for a national championship team, put up the stats, and was a first-round pick, like a very compelling case. But I went with Cam Hayward. And Cam Hayward was the guy that was initially ahead of Nick Bosa and then got passed by Nick Bosa. Cam Hayward, I like him because he's a little different than these other guys. He's not like a pure edge rusher. He's like a strong side defensive end who very easily can slide into tackle. And he has been an unbelievable NFL player for a decade now, which I think does factor into this son of Ironhead Hayward from Georgia, picks Ohio State has a great junior year. A lot of people think he's going to go pro. He stays. He's an all American. His numbers maybe like raw stat numbers and that kind of thing. Don't stack up in the same kind of way, but that also wasn't who he was. He just was played the position 
a little bit differently. And so, I mean, he is, he is way down here in sacks. He has 15 and a half career sacks, which is 17th all time. John Simon is 10th with 20 and a half. Vernon Golston is ninth with 22 and a half. Will Smith is seventh tied for seventh with Kumro with 23. Tyquan Lewis is sixth with 23 and a half. I get it. He's an unbelievable football player unbelievable football player. And I think Ohio state fans loved him. So to me, it's a, he has an upside and then he's a first round pick and he's had a great NFL career. He has an upside higher than Simon. He is more consistent long-term than Golston. And I think it's very close with, with Hayward and Will Smith. I think you could go either way, but I also think they both are more consistent and at a peak longer than Nick Bosa. So that is an interesting discussion but that's why I went Cam Hayward. Nathan, again, it's just, I'm not, you know, everybody comes at this differently. I covered Cam. Cam's in the book. By the way, the books came in. I got my first shipment of books. It's they're just for me, but they're coming. They're summer, coming September 14th. He's a chapter. I think if you're just looking at stats and if you didn't, if you weren't around for his whole career, Cam Hayward suffers a little bit. And, but I know, like, I would just take Cam Hayward, the totality of Cam, Cam, Cam Hayward over some of these other guys. Did you think about Cam Hayward much, Nathan? Yeah, I, I had him and Will Smith, both uh, guys that I was looking at pretty closely. And I think Cam Hayward is a little bit like J.K. Dobbins to, to cross Buckmore a little bit because I think their NFL careers, I mean, Hayward's already well into his NFL career, but that has sort of justified his placement there. And with Dobbins just getting started with his NFL career, as we talked about, like multiple years, you know, keep using what he did as a rookie and building off of that and having a strong NFL career could make a stronger case for him staying on Buckmore. So that definitely was something I thought about because I don't think you can dismiss it entirely when a guy goes to the next level and then is sort of, it's not just enough for Ohio state defensive ends to be good at Ohio state. Those guys also have to get to the NFL. And even if they're moving around positions or whatever, they still have to keep making an impact there. I think to really build that legacy. And he is, one of the guys at the you know forefront of doing that. Cam Hayward was six for me. And it's basically, it's, he was always good. He's consistently been good, but I don't know if he's ever been great. You know, that's, that's how I look mm -hmm. at him. It's just, uh, he's, he's, he's a, an all American. He's been an all pro in the NFL. I mean, his peak, he's not, his that's peak okay, is not yeah, as high that's, that's, as that's, Bosa that's, yeah. or Chase Young. Uh, yeah, yeah, his peak Vernon Golston. Yeah. Right. His, his peak is not enough to make me put him on a Mount Rushmore. That's maybe a better place to put it. And then Will Smith is seventh. I will say I'm not trying to, I mean, John Simon and Cam Hayward are very comparable. And like they, they were like four year Ohio state guys who were like mm -hmm. really good football players are very important. Cam Hayward's peak, like all along is high is higher than John Simon. Cam Hayward's probably better. I just think John Simon meant more to what urban Meyer was trying to establish here. I think you fell for the mythology a little bit there about the way urban Meyer likes to talk about some of his <laughs> try hard guys. Not that John Simon is not a good player, but like, Cam Hayward is a better football player than John Simon and Urban Meyer is good at telling a story. If Cam Hayward played for John for Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer would be like, you've never seen a guy like, so um, those two things may be true. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. It's why Urban does what he does. Urban tells a good story. Did you notice that Urban had his, his quarterback from 13 years ago in NFL camp as a tight end? And then everybody was like, yeah, I think that guy might make the team. And then he tried to run block and he got cut the next day. There. Urban Meyer can tell a story. My I'm friend. surprised he didn't shed a tear when they had that press conference about cutting them. Yeah. So that's, 
that's real there. So listen, that's very interesting. An obvious top three and then a four-way split for number four. Like that's, that's pretty good. Like that, that in the end, I go Cam Hayward, Stephen goes John Simon, Nathan goes Vernon Golston, and the Texters go Nick Bosa. But we're united on Chase Young, Joey Bosa, Mike Vrabel. I think that's an interesting Mount Buckmore discussion. Maybe I'll do one more final tie, tie, tiebreaker, and we can reveal it on the linebacker pod with the tech subscribers. Say, okay, let's give you guys one more vote at this. Maybe after people had listened, let's do one last vote for the fourth spot between those four guys who split it, and we'll see what comes up. Good, but like a fun discussion. All right. Pencils out. Go sharpen your number two pencils. You poor people who chose to listen to this podcast. We're coming next with the calculus test on the Ohio State cornerback Mount Buckmore next on Buckeye Talk. Okay. Prepared to not have fun. I will say, again, part of the the knot in my stomach is not wanting to get the answer wrong, not wanting to have people be mad at us, but also I was listening to some podcasts the other day that should be like fun discussions about something like a, a movie podcast. And one of the people on there who knows a lot about movies was just like mansplaining and lecturing on this movie and killed it. And I was like, this is about a movie and this is no longer fun to listen to where actually sometimes if you know less and it's just kind of fun to be like, well, I think this, well, I like this. Well, I think this, that's more fun, even if it's less informed. And I was like, dear God, is that what we sound like? Do I do that to people? Do I mansplain Ohio State football history and ruin it and make it not fun? And I'm so totally in my own head about it now. Dear God, please don't let me do that for this. It's already difficult enough. For some reason, I sent out 20 people to vote on. I don't know why I did it, but I did it and I can't take it back. Nathan. Did I murder the ability for us to have a fun discussion about Ohio State cornerbacks? I think more or less you did, yeah. I think there's one guy who – I mean, there's one all-time absolute has to be on here. And then, man, it's just like I I twisted myself in knots trying to look at this. And finally – well, we'll get into decision-making later, but uh, it it wasn't fun. Here's the thing. The hardest part about – this is the one position – where statistics don't necessarily help you a lot. Correct. Mm-mm. Interceptions are don't are matter. A little bit are a little bit fluky. Now, if a guy does it year after year after year, that's one thing. I'll, I'll give him that. But you can be swayed sometimes by one big year on interceptions. Certainly, voting can be swayed by one big year on interceptions. And it's it. So you have to get down. I think a little bit more to the nitty gritty of this person's essence as a football player without that statistical push that even you can get when you're talking about defensive ends. Stuff like this makes me wish PFF was created 50 years ago. Yeah. Because a PFF for defensive back more than any other position, maybe offensive line too as well, has been a, 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 a blessing, literally, because it puts in the context what this guy is doing. Because often if a guy's a really good corner – in college, they don't follow as much, so you can just not throw the ball to that side of the field. And if you're not really paying attention, paying attention, you're not going to realize that, well, the reason why this guy has no stats is because nobody wants to test him. Now, because you have PFF and all these analytics, you can go, no, 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 no. He's really good. They don't ever test him, but when they do, this is what's happening. Uh, agreed on everything. All right, let's do it. 
I have Jack Tatum number one. I think the debate is like, is Jack Tatum a cornerback? He played safety in the NFL, but again, you go back. We didn't watch him. I mean, I'm not, there are, there are people listening to this who are far greater experts on the super softs than we are. There were times when they would just say, Jack Tatum, go cover that guy and follow him all over the field. And that's how what he would use him. And sometimes it was opposing an opposing receiver. When you go in the Ohio state record books, the media guides, and you look up like people who have been all Americans at cornerback, Jack Tatum is listed as a cornerback in, in a lot of the places. So I, I don't think we really have to defend whether Jack Tatum is a cornerback, but I didn't want to break it. I didn't want to go like, the entire secondary, right? And now we're trying to put Malik Hooker in here and Mike Doss and the great safeties in Ohio State history. And there's no way we could have found four guys out of that. So I did want to separate out corners, but I think Tatum belongs. But I think like whatever list you put Tatum on, Tatum's on the mountain. You know, like he he's just that good, that different, that much of a program changing sort of game changing football player. So I put Jack Tatum at the top of this list. The textures put Jack Tatum at the top of this list. Nathan, did you have Jack Tatum in your top four? Yeah, I put him at the top just because I thought he was the one that is, I keep coming back to this. When you're talking about Buckmore, there's gotta be a case in some ways for just how pound for pound great of a football player you were. And he fits that mold. I mean, again, he would be in the conversation for Ohio State's overall Mount Buckmore, I think, right? Like the, the, yes. the best player from a, 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 from a period of excellence for this football program. And it still set a standard that I think all defensive players at any position try to aspire to at Ohio State, partially because of his versatility and the, 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 kind of lack of identity positional identity he had almost like enhances his legacy in some ways because he could do so many different things and was just a feared defensive player so I, I, I he was a no-brainer for me number one you said earlier he's the chase young of the defensive backs and yeah I mean it's so I don't care if we're doing safeties or cornerbacks he's number one and then you can start your list you know what Jack Tatum would have been great at the bullet <laughs> oh yeah and there I ruined it. There. Hey, by the way. They should call it the <laughs> Yeah, why they call, call it the Tatum? I was going to say the Jack, but that's already a thing in three or four. So yeah, they should call it the Tatum. Hey, how's your calculus test going? Oh, it was really hard and difficult and unfun. And then someone mentioned the bullet that made it worse. Okay. <laughs> now you have to go take this calculus test in the rain. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't use your calculator. You have to show all your work. My pencil broke. Okay. Here's my number two. And he's also the texter's number two. I wound up trying to group guys a little bit sort of by era, which helped me do this. And I, and I thought was an okay way to do it. This guy, I do think is pretty obvious. He's a two-time All-American He's Ohio State's first winner of the Thorpe Award, okay, which cool. is the yes. best defensive back. And he goes on and is like a great NFL player. And then, by the way, his kid's an awesome NFL player. <laughs> yeah, he is. So I went with Antoine Winfield, number two. And in a great big mishmash, Stephen, I think he's pretty close to a sure thing. 
What, did you have Winfield? Yeah, he's two for me. And I was so nervous that I was going to be the only one with him on my list because it's just so long. Of a, it's just so many people. But it's like what it came down to is, can I leave the first Thorpe Award winner ever off this list? Can you really do that? And I mean, that's such a hard award to win because it gets judged differently every year. So you can't leave that off. Yeah, no. and But Nathan, sort of as we're talking about like, hey, it's hard with stats for corners. I then did start searching for honors, right? That it's like, okay, well, how many times were you an All-American? Okay, how many did you win individual awards? How many times were you all Big Ten? That, that factored in sort of, you know, even, even more to me. And this guy's a consensus All-American. And then again, he goes on. He just has a great NFL career. He's a first-round pick in 1999. He's a three-time Pro Bowler with the Minnesota Vikings. And again, he won the Thorpe Award. Did you have Antoine Winfield? He was in my top four. I, I had him fourth, although, again, this was another example where there wasn't a lot of separation between two and four, and you could put him in any category. But again, when you start looking at – because there isn't – a because statistics are so unreliable – that you do start looking at things like not just all American, but consensus all American, not just uh, considered, not just like the Big Ten defensive back of the year, but the Jim Thorpe Award winner. Like there, there have to be some. There were a lot of guys that you looked at that had really good superlatives, but then there's guys like this that are just a notch above. Like they were recognized at a higher level in their in their during their career. That can be a little tough. You don't, you can't go back and relitigate every Thorpe award that was ever given out. Cause there's certainly Ohio state guys who probably think they had a case and didn't win it or, or whatever, but you have to give some credit to the guys who went out and did prove that they deserve it. Okay. So we agree on Antoine Winfield, the texters, as I said, also agreed. Uh, maybe I didn't say also agreed on Antoine Winfield. He's second Jack Tatum, one Antoine Winfield two for the texters. Uh, I do. I mean, I do my thinking and stuff, but I do. I, I look at the texter voting as I go along. So I wound up with a lot of agreement with the texters on this. I don't know how much the texters influence me, but I'll say the guy who's who sort of is next for me in a mishmash. I did allow some personal stuff to come in. This is the guy that I have said multiple times on this pod to me is like the greatest mix of like great off field guy, just a, a bad, bad dude on the football field guy, like super smart, super passionate and aggressive and intense, a great football player who is like, I think not, not as great of a classically, like a cover corner as we think about like with this latest generation of Ohio state corners, since the Kerry Combs era of, hey, man, we're going to put you on an island and lock you up in man-to-man coverage and you're going to be a first-round pick. I don't know that this guy was as good as a lot of those other corners in that, but he's a tremendous football player and he's had a great NFL career. And I just liked him. I like him as a guy and I like him as a football player. So I'm, I feel like I'm apologizing for it. I don't have to apologize for it because his record speaks for itself, but I put Malcolm Jenkins on. And I wouldn't say he's obvious. I wouldn't say he's a sure thing. But to me, in a because I think Tatum and Winfield are as the Tatum being Tatum, Winfield as the first Thorpe Award winner, consensus All American, rise to the top a little bit. But then Jenkins rose above the rest of the pack, also won the Thorpe Award. So again, it's like, well, what do we go by? Well, that's kind of a big thing. Nathan, did you have Malcolm Jenkins on your mountain? Yeah, and I actually had him a notch above 
uh, Winfield. I mean, a guy, he was a, a second team All-American and then a consensus All-American and then won the, the Thorpe Award. And then when you, again, like I was saying before, when you go to the NFL and can enhance what was already a great career, I, I think that means something. I mean, three-time Pro Bowler, two-time Super Bowl champion, has been an All-Pro uh, on a couple occasions, I think, in the NFL. Just a, a, a tremendous football player. And I think when, when Ohio State, part of my thing was Ohio State wants to make this case about being DBU. And who are the guys still active or recently active that they're going to point to first to say this is why Ohio State is DBU? And I think Malcolm Jenkins would absolutely be one of the first guys they point to. He enhanced it while also moving around. He hasn't been a corner the whole time. He spent time right. at strong safety, well, free safety, and still have success. He's never been a corner in the NFL, which is – I remember <laughs> when he was getting picked and people were like, oh, he might move the safety. I was like, well, he's not going to move the safety. He's a corner. He played like a little bit of like sort of like nickel safety. Yeah. A little bit at Ohio State, which again is like he's not he's not really fast enough to get locked up on guys as a corner, even when he was younger, that, that just wasn't what he did. He's just a great football player. So that it makes it a little dicey in that he sort of immediately changed position in the NFL, but he was a corner at Ohio state. But again, I do, I do remember them sort of them backing him off man coverage sometimes on passing downs and letting him roam a little bit and having other dudes lock up maybe like Donald Washington and some other guys, maybe with the cover corners, when, when you're trying to compare him to Bradley Roby, Eli Apple, Duran Grant. Who are still playing the position. Jeff Okuda, yeah. Marshawn Lattimore, Denzel Ward, like the best of the guys of this current run of corners. It's like I think probably their raw cover skills, you take everybody on that list probably mm-hmm. ahead of Malcolm. But Malcolm's a great football player, and he played corner at Ohio State. He's a little bit like Tatum. Like he played – he did play corner here a lot, so I don't know what you want me to do. He didn't play it in the NFL, but he's a great football player. So, again, now I'm apologizing some more. But if someone said, that's why I didn't put Malcolm Jenkins on as a Mount Buckmore corner, because I'm not sure how great he was at the straight corner part of it. He was great at the football part of it. I think it's an argument. I don't mm-hmm. know. So, Stephen, you also have him on yours. Yeah, he was he was third for me. So. He won the Thorpe Award playing corner. Regardless of, of us, how it yeah. actually like, you know, played out on the field every day, he was listed as a corner and won the Thorpe Award and consistently moved up the All-American list every year. So none of us are having that anti-Malcolm Jenkins, not even anti, but that you'd, you'd make a case for somebody else and point this out about Malcolm Jenkins. None of us are doing that because we all put him on and so did the texters. But there definitely could be people that would come on and make that case. So I want to make sure that case is out there. There is a I think there is a difference between and we keep saying this between like the most important people, which is what a Mount Rushmore is and who are the best. Yep. And he's probably not top four. He might not even be top six when you're talking about who are just the best corners Ohio State's ever had. But because of what this exercise is, he needs to be included. And I will say he is part of that era of Ohio state football right there with James Laurinaitis for the, you know, for the most part, Alex Boone in there, Marcus Freeman, guys like that, that, you know, they were the, they were the backbone of a team that went to two straight national title games. Mm -hmm. And then they came back for year four to try one more time and then got blown off the field by USC and still had a good year, but it didn't go the way they wanted. That's a little era, right? It's like, they didn't, they didn't get over the top, 
But even though Troy, I mean, Troy won the Heisman, they had unbelievable skill guys there. That still was a team that won a lot of games with defense at times. And James Laurinaitis and Malcolm Jenkins were the defining guys of that defense in that three-year stretch. He's three-time All-Big Ten. So we're in agreement on Malcolm Jenkins here. Nathan, this test is actually going a little better than I than I thought it might. I was more nervous at the start than I think if we're kind of in agreement, all three of us plus the Texers on the top three, that's actually better than I hoped. Yeah, we're like child prodigies sitting down for this as fourth graders taking this calculus exam and just acing it. Or you know how they used to make you put the dividers up when you were taking tests? I don't know if they still make kids do that. We all just put our dividers down and are just cheating off each other. No, yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> a, you guys had Winfield, right? You have Winfield? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we have Winfield. Yep. Yeah. Winfield, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> you guys are going Jenkins? You guys think that Jenkins? Jenkins, right? Yeah. So, oh, Jenkins. Easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Now I'm going to puke. And then, and then I'm flipping. What happens when it's like, man, I'm breezing through this test and you flip to the last page and you vomit right on your thing. You're like, oh my God, I don't, I don't even understand that equation. I don't even know what those, those things are. Is that a number? Is that a letter? Is that Greek? What is that? All right. That's number four. Maybe, or maybe not. Nathan, Ohio State, to some degree in this era, the last 10 years, this great era has been defined by its quarterback play. It's BIA. It's they put first round corners out every year. This is what they do. We don't have one on yet. Like, do we have to have a guy from this era on? And why don't we have one on yet? That's both of those are great questions. I don't think we do have to put one on there because I think what is happening here in recent years, it's not that it started out of nowhere. I would say the defensive end surge has come more organically than this defensive back surge, which I think is an extension of something that was maybe already started because of guys we're talking about Winfield Jenkins, um, the guy I'm going to put as the fourth guy on my list, but it's, you know what I'm saying? So it's, yes, these guys have been um, prominent, mostly due to their NFL draft status. But in many cases, that was based on like one season. So that can be a differentiator. There's also guys who, I mean, it's a position again, where because the statistical comparison is so tough, um, there are guys who we think were overdrafted who are first round picks. And because it's a position that sometimes tends to, I think, get overdrafted because people are so desperate to find cornerback talent. So how much do you that enhances the current DBU reputation without necessarily being those guys being representative of especially when we're only talking about four, four in the history of this yeah. program. Point. We have reached a point where because of what the reputation has been built, not just in the last 10 years, but pretty much for the last two, three decades, every year, whoever the best corner at Ohio State is, is probably going to be listed in the top 10 draft as a top 10 draft pick in a mock draft. We saw it with Sean Wade last year. Seven Banks is getting the treatment this year. Um, maybe Ryan Watts gets that treatment. And then it actually starts to make sense again when like Jacqueline Johnson and Jordan Hancock are third year guys. But that it, it's it feels like it's more off reputation at this point. All right, let me run through this because I did make everybody do the test. I apologize. I won't do it again. When we do a ranking survey, the thing we use lets us go up to as many as 20 people you can have rank. And for some unknown reason, in a desperate attempt to be inclusive, I 
made you rank 20 cornerbacks and it was insane, but I want to acknowledge the work that you put in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of you did it. I'm sorry. It's the worst thing I've done to you. Let's list the things that Doug has done to this podcast audience. Uh, I picked Ohio state to go nine and three. I, when we started doing surveys and trying stuff on the texts, I got it wrong like 30 different times before it worked. I do weird voices. Uh, I scream sometimes. This might be the worst. I'm sorry. 20 people. Here we go in reverse order. Number 20, Tim Anderson. And again, he's a very good Ohio State football player. For those of you who said, am I supposed to know who that is? I apologize. Number 19, (laughs) Ted Provost. Number 18, Neil Colsey. Number 17, Duran Grant, who is a very good player on the national championship team, but is just like clearly like a cut below the best of the best of this run, but I put him on anyway. Number 16, Dustin Fox, very famous on a national championship team. Again, drafted in the NFL pretty high, just kind of not, just a little bit of a cut below. Chimdi Chekwa, again, like very much, like not a national champion, but like a lot like Dustin Fox, like just like a very good player, but really not in the conversation here. He was 15, 14, Ahmed Plummer, 13, Damon Arnett, 12, Eli Apple, 11, Nate Clements, All-American in the early 2000s. Very good player. Did I really think he was going to make Mount Buckmore? No. Number 10, Gary on Conley. And that's the cutoff. That is the cutoff of, again, where there's a gap here. Gary on Conley's survey ranking was 12.33. Number nine was Bradley Roby. He was 9.92. So there is a huge gap between Bradley Roby and Gary on Conley. And then like Gary on Conley to like Duran Grant, it's practically the same vote. So I should have cut it off. I should have given you a top nine. And then you really could have thought about it. And that would have been more fair. And I think I probably would have given you the top nine that you ended up making your top nine. So that's my bad. I apologize for that homework. I'll give you guys extra credit later for something else. This is now the group. Again, the top three is agreed upon. Jack Tatum, Antoine Winfield, Malcolm Jenkins. I will tell you, these are now the six players that to me are kind of in contention for this last spot. And I think the Texers correctly reflect this. From the older era, it's Chris Gamble and Sean Springs. And then it's four guys kind of from this run. Denzel Ward, Bradley Roby, Jeff Okuda, and Marshawn Lattimore. Those are the guys who finished fourth through ninth in some order. I purposely said them out of order. In the texter voting, I think that's the group that the three of us are choosing from from the last spot, and we'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. Doug, Nathan, Steven, uh, Steven, 614-350-3315. I hope, I mean, other than the fact that I just made like the surveys for the texters sound like the worst thing you could ever do, let me encourage you to sign up and pay money for the right to do them. 614-350-3315. They are normally much more fun than what the cornerback one was. I should have given you a top nine, not a top 20. I will tell you guys that in thinking about this, I decided in the end, Tatum is from the 60s. There are a couple candidates from the 90s or like almost like the Cooper era, I would say. There are some really good corners in the Cooper era. And I sort of decided I was going to pick the one from that group to represent that era. I thought Malcolm Jenkins kind of represented the Trestle era. And then I did think in the end, 
to make my Mount Buck more reflective. And I don't know that we'd ever said it should reflect different eras. It doesn't have to. The same four guys could be on the same team if you wanted it. They were the four best guys for sure. I did make that my decision myself that I was going to pick somebody from this run because I thought it was close. I was going to make myself do that. Steven, did you think of it that way at all? Or did you just kind of think, nope, these are the guys. I don't really care when they played. I'm just picking the four guys I think deserve to be there. I didn't think about it that way, but it just happened to work out that way okay. with how, who I ended up picking fourth. Okay. Nathan, it sounds like you do not have a guy from this current era. Did you consider that line of thinking at all as you were trying to pick this fourth guy? I didn't. And in fact, I think the opposite almost happened where I just had trouble differentiating between any one of those guys as far as which one belonged on the list, especially, and there was just one guy that I don't know, well, we can talk about it, but it just, that just, I, I ended up leaning towards the end. So again, this is, we, we are not going to pretend that we are Ohio state historians. And so, but I, if you are picking the guy that I think you are picking, Nathan, I think there is a tremendous case based on talent, production, awards, NFL, everything for the guy. And there is one giant thing against him that a couple texters brought up that I think is relevant. And if I'm not if I'm not thinking of the right guy, then I'll just talk about it when we talk about that guy. Nathan, who did you pick? I picked Sean Springs. I felt like this was one that where maybe my age was a factor because, you know, I graduated from high school in 96, which is right around the time he was wrapping up his Ohio state career. So there's sometimes there's a pull to guys that you were seeing at a certain age, but he, his name just resonates in my mind a certain way. And when you go back and actually look at the accomplishments, you know, being a big 10 defensive player of the year, being a consensus all American um, and then going on and having some NFL success, uh, I mean, pretty, pretty good NFL career, actually. I mean, not, not a, a, perennial pro bowler but a, a a strong nfl career that was what i thought just the totality of that for me pushed him onto that list over some of these other examples that were a little bit more limited to one year at a time okay so this is the guy that i was assuming mm-hmm. you were going to pick and texters brought this up the difficult thing about the sean springs case is that when you say the name Sean Springs, I think most Ohio State fans, there is a verb that you immediately put after Sean Springs that is the first thing Ohio State fans think of when they hear his name. And it is not a good verb. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sean Springs slipped is like makes Ohio State fans sit up in their bed with nightmares about that. 25 years later. I'm not an expert on it. I didn't cover it. You guys listening are experts on it. We know in 1996, they're the number two team in the country. They are playing Michigan. Michigan is ranked in the 20s. Ohio State's a 17-point favorite. This is the lead from the AP story from Ohio State's 13-9 loss to Michigan that year. One slip and second-ranked Ohio State watched a season of success slip away. Cornerback Sean Springs slid on the wet grass as Michigan's Ty Streets raced past for a 69-yard pass play that provided the only touchdown in the Wolverines' 39 shocker over the Buckeyes on Saturday. 
I don't think it's fair to hold one play against a tremendous player. I think in a world where we are having a tight battle for a fourth spot that reflects all-time greatness in Ohio State history, I think you have to take it into consideration. And I did, and it's why I did not put him on my Mount Buckmore. Stephen, where are you on this? Especially when it's in the Michigan game. It is, again, as much attention, and again, you guys listening to this know this, as much attention as like the 98 loss to Michigan State, the upset out of nowhere to Nick Saban ruined that loss. Like this is, this is again, this is maybe the best team in the country, and it's the Michigan game, and it's just like a weird game. There's no points. It, it did, the, the touchdown didn't give Michigan the lead, but in like a defensive game on wet turf where like every, every field goal is worth its weight in gold like a touchdown like this. And it's not like a breakdown. It's like, he's, it's like a slip. It's like, it's not even his fault, but I can't escape it. I can't escape it. And some texters responded on this, Nathan. I I don't know. It's not, I would not say it's disqualifying because it's not fair for it to be disqualifying for Sean Springs, but it's something, it's something. And I don't, I don't know what the right way is to try to work it into something like this. I see what you're saying. It's it's not that I wasn't aware of, of that play, it, but it really didn't come into my head that much as I was examining his case for this list. And I guess I bring it back to, you know, we had a conversation during the wide receiver um, Buckmore about what does Chris Olave have to do to get onto that list. And I feel like his mistake, which is even more of a mental mistake, you know, breaking off the route against Clemson and resulting in interception was not really being brought up and held against him in the same way the Sean Springs slip seems to be being brought up by some people. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, but he also got a chance to redeem it. So it's like uh, Sean Springs never really got a chance to redeem that because he went off to the NFL. He was good enough to go to the NFL already. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, I mean, Chris couldn't. He was a sophomore. He literally could not go to the NFL that year. But it's, that's really what it's a. It's it's not the last thing people remember about Chris Olave anymore. Like it's it's the last thing people remember about Sean Springs. Yeah, chronology is important. I, I mean, Nathan, it is a great point that you bring up. It is a, it is a direct comparison, right? Mm-hmm. It is a great point. And Stephen, you offered like the exact rebuttal. Yeah. Right, because it is about do you have the opportunity to atone for the mistake in the eyes of Ohio State fans? If that had been we think Chris Olave might wind up as the greatest receiver in Ohio State history. If he had never played another game for Ohio State, that was the last route he mm-hmm. ever ran as a Buckeye. Man, Chris Olave broke off the route. It'd be like it'd be like top five answers on the board. I still want to do a family feud thing on Buckeye Talk. Man, I love doing family feud. Top five answers on the board. Here's the question. Chris Olave blank. Buzz broke off the route. Show me broke off the route. Right now, it's not. It's not number one. If he had never played another down after that play, mm-hmm. it would be number one. It'd be like 81 out of 100 people said broke off the route. Finish Sean Springs blank, consensus All-American. Sean Springs blank, top 10 pick. Sean Spring, Springs blank, unbelievable football player. Nope. What's number one? Sean Springs slipped. And it's about the opportunity to atone. But Nathan, you make a great point. How... 
how much, I mean, it's one play. And again, like you said, it's not even, it, it's different from Olave and that Olave made a choice to do what he did. Yeah. And Springs didn't choose to slip. The grass was just, the turf was just terrible that day. Yeah. And I mean, who, whoever was, if the ball had been thrown to the other side of the field, we don't know if that guy wouldn't have also slipped. And, you know, you know there's no guarantee that guy makes a stop. At the same time, there's no guarantee that if it had been a different receiver running the route instead of Chris Olave, that that person wouldn't have also made a similar yep. read or done or right. even been in position to make the catch. So it's uh, all those what ifs are, are really tough. And I think I don't look at it the same way that I look at someone who had a transgression that stains their career, yep. whether that's off the field, whether that's an NCAA violation. To me, that's different than a guy who's out there giving full effort. No one's saying he was um lollygagging or or took a playoff i just watched uh, uh bull durham again the other night nobody's saying that I mean, he was he was trying he just slipped it's just like it's it's like nature it's like it's 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 biology or whatever it's it's like what happens when a wet f- or a dry foot hits wet grass sometimes it just happened to happen at the worst possible time for him and for ohio state Man, that's a good argument. I mean, it, it is such a great discussion because it gets to a lot of what we've talked about with Mount Buckmore. It, like it's best, but it's also something else. And this is really in the realm of the something else, right? Nobody is arguing. Was Sean Springs a great cornerback? Was he a great player? Was he a great Buckeye? Nobody's arguing that. Yes, those are all yeses. But it's the something else in a tight race that is, you know, maybe differentiating it here, but Nathan, am I correct in saying this was not a tight race for you? Is he your number two? He, I mean, technically was my number two, but like I said, two through four are whisper apart. Okay. Okay. I think Steven and I then both went with a guy of the current run. Is that correct, Steven? We did. And now it's going to be interesting to see if it's the same guy or if it's I think it's probably a different guy because I also let some personal stuff come into mind. Okay, I, I know I who yours know what else is. To go it's definitely, yeah, it's, it's definitely. I know who yours is, and it's definitely not the same guy as me. All right, I'll say mine. I went with Marshawn Lattimore, yeah. and I am here to be talked out of it. I would say, in my time covering Ohio State, Marshawn Lattimore's peak year in 2016 was the best cornerback play for a season that I've seen someone do. To me, in that season, Marshawn Lattimore is every single thing I want a cornerback to be. He's fast. He's physical. He's smart. He goes hard. He is the ultimate man corner. He goes in the first round of the NFL draft. He frankly should have gone higher than he did. He's the NFL defensive rookie of the year, and he has been a very good NFL player ever since. He did nothing up until that. He is the definition. We have an award every year practically for it. Marshawn Lattimore, Malik Hooker, who's going to be the one-year guy who goes from a non-starter to an All-American. It is all based on one year compared to Jeff Okuda and Sean Springs and a bunch of other guys, Chris Gamble, Denzel Ward, right? It is not as good, but I just, I just love the way he played. There remains in my head. I think it's the Oklahoma game. It's the way he closed on a ball on a pass by Baker in the 2016 game. I think it's Oklahoma, but it's like, it's like, that's the rep. That's the greatest cornerback rep I've ever seen that you could show somebody that, it's read. It's like backpedal, hips, read, anticipation, play the ball, don't get a penalty. And it makes it look like I don't know how you ever complete a pass on that guy. So that's me making a choice for a mountain, like on a highlight that lives on in my head. That wasn't even a thing. I, and again, it, it feels like I'm apologizing. I just didn't know what else to do. 
I didn't know how else to decide. And Nathan, you make a very compelling Sean Springs case. Like I am here to be talked out of my pick. Nate, Steven, I assume I know who you're going to pick. I am here to be, have my mind changed by you and I'm prepared for that, but this is Doug's mountain and I'm putting Marshawn on it. Steven, who's your guy? I get why you said Marshawn, because even though it is just one year, it's a heck of a good year, one year to have. And I think Jeff Okuda is better than him. Yep. I, like, pound, like pound for pound, I think he is the best corner that Ohio State's had. And that's not recency bias. That's just looking at how he was graded. The fact that teams were scared to throw him the ball, and yet he still had the stats. I think there is an element here of him and Chase Young together is kind of like Ohio State's own little mini version of what the Rams have with Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald, where you have this crazy good pass rusher and possibly the best corner in football, which Jeff Okuda was. He was the best cornerback in college football in 2019, and he should have won a Dorp Award. My, I guess from my standing, I, I think he should have won that award. And he did it for two years. Even on that really bad defense in 2018, Jeff Okuda was really good and honestly probably just should have been a full-time starter and not rotating with Damon Arnett. And, I mean, he and Sean Springs are both the number three pick in the NFL draft in a situation where basically Jeff Okuda would have been the first defensive player taken in the draft if Chase Young didn't exist. Agreed. He also wasn't great in the NFL as a rookie. And Injuries, though. He, uh, he's, you know, was in and out of the lineup. So I'll, I'll, I was going to bring that up. I'll give him a pass for a year because he was injured. It's a weird COVID year as well. Detroit's yep. like franchise is terrible right now. So I'll give him a reprieve from that. But it's also he could do it, man. And because Jeff Halfley was here and they started doing cover three stuff, he started showing it in zone too. And he, he's got some what he some of the stuff he did in the Clemson game. As a matter of fact, he forced a fumble in the Clemson game that led oh, to a touchdown. Sure. That's I mean, yeah, yeah no, <laughs> it's it. They, he could do it, man. He could do it zone at the line of scrimmage. You could back him up. His size, he was a fine. All of he has all of it. And if he's can get back to being that in year two, I think he'll be back on the right pace of being, you know, what he was drafted to be. Now, to be fair, you say you're sort of giving Jeff Okuda a pass for year one in the NFL, which mm -hmm. I, I don't disagree with. You also said Chase Young is headed for the Hall of Fame based off year one in the I NFL. Did. So it's like, I okay, sometimes it matters, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, and I'm not saying that's, I mean, that's okay. That's okay. Different I, positions, I, mean, I think, it, it, to an extent too, though, because it's, yeah, you're right, though. If I'm going to allow it to work for somebody else, I need to allow it to not work for somebody else. But listen, Marshawn came in and was I think was one of the best corners in the league in year one. I don't, right. I don't know that he's been quite as good as he was in year one in the rest of his NFL career. He's not – when people say who was the number one best corner in the league, like you just talked about Jalen Ramsey, Marshawn Lattimore's not quite at that point, so I don't want to pretend mm -hmm. he's there either. Um, the Jeff Okuda case is very compelling. I do – Marshawn like ran like a four three seven like at the like oh, he's yeah, like he's bad so, hammy. at yeah. his size <laughs> at his size like this the this physicality at that speed is just mind boggling to me. But clearly Jeff you know Jeff came in as a true freshman and started doing it right away. Mm -hmm. Showed it more in year two. By the end of year two, it was like oh yeah 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 yeah, and then just mm -hmm. put it all out there in year three. Marshawn was like injury injury boom. So I'm probably wrong here. Nathan, you have made a very compelling Sean Springs case. Steven made a very compelling Jeff Okuda case. I will tell you that that's what it came down to for the texters. And they went with Jeff Okuda barely. 
Barely. I mean, it's literally like probably two people change their vote and it changes. Marsh, Malcolm, Malcolm Jenkins was 4.96 in our survey. Jeff Okuda, 5.77. Sean Springs, 5.79. Chris Gamble, 6.19. Marshawn Lattimore, 6.64. Denzel Ward, 7.64. Bradley Roby, 9.92. So as much as I said it's a top nine, Roby and Ward still were a little bit away. It really was, you know, tightest between Okuda and Springs with Gamble and Lattimore kind of right there. Nathan, you pick Springs. If you had gone with someone of the modern era, which is probably a choice between Okuda, Lattimore, Ward, and Roby, maybe Conley, maybe Apple, who would you have picked of the modern era, Nathan? Yeah, Okuda was going to be my next guy. I mean, he was probably fifth on my list. I did give some really good thought to Chris Gamble just because of what he means to Ohio State fans. And I think that maybe mm-hmm. means something we're talking about Mount Buckmore. He's just a guy that keeps coming up in conversation um, about how beloved he is the whole time I've been, you know, associated now with, with covering Ohio State football. But the thing I guess that came back to me on Okuda was maybe I pulled back a little bit because I was overly concerned about my own recency bias or more, more to the point, my own having only really covered him of all the guys we're talking about on this list and was he like that much better than Marshawn Lattimore? Was he really that much better than Denzel Ward? He was great, but was he great by the standard that other Ohio State cornerbacks of the very recent past have also set? Um, I, I understand why Stephen would say yes. I'm not necessarily even disputing whether it's the case, but it did make me kind of put all those guys in the same basket and say, but if you have someone like Sean Springs, who maybe had a different career level of performance in some of those guys that maybe belongs on the list more prominently springs is fifth for me i marshawn Lattimore is six which i think it's I, I don't think you're wrong i think he needed to be named even in this group of nine i still think when we're talking about these modern era corners there is some groupings it's uh, conley damon arnett are like they're first rounders but I, they probably wouldn't have been first rounders if they weren't playing with an actual first rounder on the other side. So they're on their own group. And then I think Bradley Roby or and Denzel Ward are in that next tier where Denzel Ward was really good. And obviously he went on to be defensive rookie of the year and all that stuff, but it's just from a pound for pound standpoint, Marshawn Lattimore and Jeff Okuda belong in their own tier for their college I, careers. I think I agree exactly with what you just said. If you're going to tier the modern era guys, I think that's exactly right. I could also say as much as we are wary of the statistical case, the fact that Okuda was like never really a guy who got interceptions. Cause they didn't throw it to him. And when they started Fair. throwing it to him, I would say that's picks. definitely true. Of 20, that was definitely true of 2019, but it was only the one game where he even got picks in 2019. Right. Yeah. It was a, he Nebraska. had one in the Miami game, and then he had the two in the Nebraska game. They never threw at him. And then the year before that, Tabor Johnson didn't know how to coach the position. It, right. I mean, it's really hard. I mean, it is it is really hard that when you're splitting hairs, that's not me saying yeah. that Jeff Okuda wasn't a great football player. It's me trying to decide why he was fifth instead of fourth on this list. He is a he is the epitome of why you can't even think about interceptions. But we've talked about two guys on this podcast at great length and Chase Young and Jeff Okuda, who were part of one of the worst Ohio State defenses that people have seen in the last 50 years. Right. Which is I don't know what to do with that. Right. Like, I, I, I don't because, think it's nothing. I don't think it's. But then in 2019, it was one of the best Ohio State defenses and yeah. they were the main two reasons. But in 2018, I don't know. It's probably not fair. It's probably almost zero percent reflective of their ability. 
it was they just had a lot of other problems at other positions and mainly with the scheme and the way they were coached. But it's on their record, like it's on their resume. Like if if they were applying for a job on Mount Bookmore, and you'd be like, okay, I'm I'm I think I really like what. I'm, talk to me about this 2018 season, <laughs> you know? Like you'd have to bring it up, right? So I don't. I, it's out there. I, I think I think it's probably the right answer here because Stephen goes Okuda because the Texters barely go Okuda. Because, Nathan, you have Okuda first on your list of the modern-day guys. It, it, it probably is right that Okuda barely edges out Sean Springs, that the, the discussion that we've had would reflect the texter vote, which is like practically a coin flip between Okuda and Springs. You could really go either way, but Okuda barely gets it. And then Marshawn Lattimore is just kind of me being me because I went to Glenville High School and talked to him and, and – loved what he did in 2016, but it's only one year. And, and so, I'll, I'll say, you know, before I was kind of making the case for Vernon Golston about, you know, that, that the peak, how much the peak matters. And because it's, it's much more difficult to do it statistically with cornerbacks, but I, there is something to be said for the fact that there were games where Jeff Okuda seemed to kind of disappear because that's what the other team wanted him to do was not be a factor at all. Mm -hmm. Like I will listen to that argument too, that there were times where he was a very quiet dominant presence because the, the, the game just didn't exist on his part of the field. Which I think because like it's yeah, because they don't follow. So it's the only case corners can make is especially at Ohio state is I took away the entire side of the field which is, I mean, that's a pretty great case to make. But also, so we've done, what is this, the third or third one of these we've done, and there's been a 2017 fourth. fourth. Okay, so in three of the four, a 2017 recruit has had a strong case for being on Mount Buckmore, which only adds to the legacy of that recruiting class. That was number two in the country behind Alabama. And then also the 2019 roster has a guy on every single list. Right. No, that's right. I mean, and, shout out to and, Ryan Day's first ever. Yeah, for real. <laughs> that's Ryan well, Day's first team. <laughs> or also, is it just recency bias? Of with, we're a bunch of dudes who yeah. covered the 2019 Fair. team. I mean, that that's part of it. But I don't think – certainly, Stephen, I'm not saying that explains it all. I mean, that's legit. The talent on that team. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, your point that we are reinforcing the absolute talent that has been on the last couple of Ohio State teams is, is absolutely a valid point to make. I will say, to me, in the end, if you said, Doug, pick – Pick one. I mean, I guess I'd pick Tatum. Pick two. Pick your starting corners, right? You can pick pick any player from any year, from their peak. And let's line up the, the greatest Ohio State team of all time. We're playing for humanity against the aliens. I, I think I put Marshawn Lattimore at one of the outside corner spots, right? Like the peak of Marshawn Lattimore, I think I was still – but that's not what this is. That's, that's not what this is. That's not the only consideration here. So, Nathan, not as bad as I thought. It was just the – the bottom 11 mucked up the voting for the texters. And actually the texters are like, that was the worst test I've ever had. It actually, you know, we kind of breezed through the bottom 11 and it kind of wasn't as bad for us. Well, it's just, I mean, you start going through the list and you're like, Oh, Ted Provo, 16 interceptions. But what does that mean? Like you have no frame of reference for it. And then you get to other guys who are like, Oh, this guy was like a two time first team, all big 10, but he was never all American and he was not a first round draft pick and et cetera, et cetera. So you get to kind of brush them off. It was a lot of guys to go through, but I actually found myself sort of building a consensus around a relatively small handful of guys by the end of it. 
I think with corner more than defensive end, because I was going to put Chase on no matter what. I don't care what anybody says. I was trying my hardest in the beginning to not have recency bias and yes. think about what's going on right now. And because so I was, it took me a while to actually get around to Jeff because I was just going, not Jeff, not Jeff, not, not Jeff, not Jeff, not Jeff, focus on somebody else. And everything kept leading me back to Jeff. And I had to stop making this more difficult than it needed to be. Chris Gamble, again, Nathan, you mentioned him. We didn't talk a ton about him. He's right there in the voting. What he did in 2002, and again, I talked about him wrong previously, but he's a receiver who winds up on the defensive side of the ball because they need him. And then he's then on 2003, it's like, okay, here we go. And he winds up being a first-round draft pick. He, he wasn't as good in 2003 as a corner as kind of he flashed there in 2002. And so I think that affected our voting here. You know, there was a time when I would have thought, I think Chris Gamble is going to be the fourth guy here. You know, that if it's, if there's a, if I feel like I like my top three, I feel like Gamble might edge out the recent guys, edge out the Sean Springs because it's so special. But none of us got there. The texters didn't get there. And I think slightly, Nathan, the mythology of Chris Gamble, and I don't mean mythology in a bad way. I'm just saying, like, we love telling stories. What he did in 2002 is an unbelievable rare story in Ohio state history. But when you move past that, like from that standpoint, he's probably top four, man, the story I could tell you about what this guy did to help an underdog team win a national championship. But then when you go like the next step for like overall production, long-term, like really, really play in the position, I think he's just like a scooch behind, which is why none of us, we didn't have a huge conversation about him for the top four. The mythology was what was sort of calling to me and what made me consider him as as long as I did. And I think that's uh, legitimate because fans love guys who, if you remove them, if they, if he doesn't do that, then what does the, what does that mean for that 2002 team? Mm -hmm. Like we've talked before about like the, the Thanos finger snap principle here. And if you take, if, if Chris Gamble never switches positions, then that 2000 team maybe doesn't get to where it gets. So I think fans, in the same way that the the Sean Springs slips lingers for them, and maybe uh, overshadows some of these career in an unfortunate way, I think that the Chris Gamble position switch and then having a, a successful year um, elevates him. I mean, even even over guys sometimes who who were already cornerbacks and even played the position better than he did. I agree. All right, let's wrap it up with what we like to do, which is try to bring it into the modern day a little bit. Talk about current guys. And Nathan, I do think both these conversations, we wound up with a pretty clear top three and a huge debate for four, which means the fourth spot is available. Like if you make a compelling case, it's not like it's it's not locked in, right? How can anyone ever pass Chase Young for the defensive ends? But you don't have to pass. Uh, you know, Mike Vrabel is going to be hanging on there for a while. Joey Bosa, I don't know. But clearly the fourth spot is open. Jack Tatum, never coming off, never coming off. I think the rest of the cornerbacks are more up for grab, but man, Antoine Winfield was special. And Malcolm Jenkins just kind of had a thing about him. But clearly, as we just discussed, the fourth spot is there. Do you feel like there are guys on the current Ohio State roster or about to get on the Ohio State roster at either defensive end or cornerback who have a chance to get on Mount Buckmore? Oh, I think so. And I think uh, there better be for Ohio State's case. I think they either need guys like uh, Harrison and Smith to have a, a breakthrough in such a way that it's going to resonate for years. Or you start to see either, you know, Jack Sawyer and JT Tuomaloao 
or some of these young corners take their first step in a way that like 10 years down the line, we're saying, yeah, this guy has to be on the list. Cause remember how good he was as a freshman, a true freshman in 2021. And then as he continued to grow beyond there, like I think the case needs to start for some of these guys. I think either of those things makes this defense better. I think either of those things are a thing that this defense needs. I think Jack Sawyer has a chance to be the modern day Mike Vrabel because he's a Columbus guy who stop, is- stop, 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 stop. Please get a pen and a sheet of paper. Yeah. And please write down the sentence that you just said and make that the headline on a story that you write for cleveland.com sometime in the next year. And Got let's you. see if we can get the Titans PR guy on the phone and have Mike Rabel talk about Jack Sawyer. Not it's not to be dismissive of the no, great that's... national talent that Ohio State brings in, but there we can acknowledge that there is something about it. It's different when it's an Ohio kid. And it's just like the fact that he like he locked in. This is Ryan Day's first commitment as officially Ohio State's head coach. And he's this freaking good. And the way we've talked about him all offseason, what his career might end up being. And then, like, I mean, you guys have never talked to him. I obviously have talked to him on multiple occasions. The vibe he kind of gives off is that he's going to have successful, a very successful life after football. Or people are just going to keep giving him free trucks. Either way, it's okay. But the point is the idea of this Ohio guy, highly rated guy who stays home and is just awesome. And then he's awesome in his next life. That's kind of interesting to me. And I, I, I would, if I asked him that question, he would probably go for it 100% and think, and at least think about it in that way. So I think because of that, because he's from Ohio, I think if he and JTT have the same exact career at Ohio state, I think Jax would probably make the mountain over JTT. And that's with all due respect to what JTT is as a talent. It's just when you're from Ohio, it means a little bit more, which is why Ryan Day wants those guys to lock in so quickly. And then from cornerback's perspective, I don't know if that guy's on the roster right now. Maybe Ja'Kalen, maybe. But I think the best case is if A.J. Harris, the five-star uh, corner in the, in the 2023 class commits. Because he looks – I saw him this summer. He looks like Jeff Okuda. Like, just look, physically looks like him. He moves like him. And I told his parents that he he looks like Jeff Okuda with braids. If he comes here and then he obviously develops into what he should develop into, I think he might have a case. It's hard because, I mean, Jaheim Singletary was the guy that we would be talking about yeah. if he hadn't decommitted. And listen, Denzel Ward was a lower-rated recruit and got mm-hmm. in the conversation here, right? I mean, we know you don't have to be that. But like Jeff Okuda was, Marshawn Lattimore pretty much was like, we also can't turn our backs on the fact of like, sometimes you absolutely see these guys coming. It does feel like, I think it might be too late for Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith from Mount Buckmore. Like no matter how good they are this year, because they've been good. They've been very, they've been very good. They've been very, but they haven't quite. Right. And whereas Jack and JTT, Nathan, you're kind of like, they have an opportunity, especially Jack, because he's been here. He's worked with Larry Johnson for so long. He was here for spring ball. Jack has a, ch- a chance to like lay a foundation as a freshman that really puts him on people's radars, that makes an impact, that when we go back and talk about him in the future, it's a three-year conversation that he could really – where it's just going to be harder for JTT getting here late. Mm-hmm. That Jack could lay something down here now that creates an opportunity. It's like, oh, Jack Sawyer, he was a really good player in situations as a freshman, and then he was a two-time All-American. He's on the list. That, that's the – I mean, it's obvious, but Nathan, that's kind of – that's the number one guy who has the chance, I think, to – to get up on a mountain here. Yeah, no, I I think so. Um, And like I was saying before, like the the opportunity is there for that to 
start to present itself this year, I think. And, and in a lot of ways, you know, we've talked about a lot of guys on here, especially when you start getting down to that fourth spot on all these lists we've done where it's like, well, they, you know, they really had that late breakthrough. Uh, I, I think though, that when, if some of these guys can break through this year and, and start to have, you know, like a Joey, Bo- more like a Joey Bosa kind of season or, or a career, you know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. you come out with yep. authority right away and then you sustain it for three years. Like, even at Ohio State, even the great players that there have been coming through Ohio State, that's still kind of rare, as I think this exercise is showing us. Mm-hmm. You come in right away with a difference-making debut, and then you're great again as a sophomore, and then you're great again as a junior, and then you go to the NFL like it's it's rare air. So that's it's that's a lot to aspire to, but I think there's multiple guys that, that could be in that conversation. All right, I feel okay. We made it. We're okay. We the test is over. Oh, my God. Is there any worse feeling than a test you're nervous for and any better feeling than getting through the test and living through it and being OK? Oh, oh, woo, I feel great. So now get ready for a linebacker homework. Ah, please. No, please start <laughs> studying Marcus Merrick right now. The Marcus Merrick discussion that we're going to have to have on the linebacker podcast is going to take 45 minutes in and of itself. We'll do that next week. Just the linebackers because they they deserve enough focus for a whole pod. And then we'll get – I want to do coaches. I want to do coaches, and then I want to do sort of like the overall Mount Buckmore. And just because we didn't do, for instance, we're not going to do an offensive tackle one because it, it's just – what's the, that's going to be statue. like – The statue. It's going to be – yeah, it's going to be – yeah, right. It's just Orlando Pace, and then everybody else is like <laughs> one-third his size. There's no point to do it. It doesn't mean Orlando Pace can't be on our overall Mount Buckmore. Right. So I want to do coach. I want to do overall Mount Buckmore. I think maybe we'll do those like maybe Tulsa week and Akron week kind of stuff where it's like, what else is going on? Like we can, we can squeeze that in and have a good podcast because we don't have to talk about the team, the current team for five straight days, but we'll do linebackers next week and then we'll figure out the rest. Thanks for you guys for being part of it. The linebacker voting will come out in the next couple of days. Great time to get in on the text to be part of that. Great time to get in on the texts to know what's going on with these Ohio State interviews as they happen. Nathan is super fast getting that information out to you. We're going to start having, you know, official analysis of like who the starters are going to be, all this stuff. Do it now, 614-350-3315. And again, just another heads up, college football playoff show. We'd love to have you try it out. If you haven't so far, me and Shahan J. Haraja, we break down a title contender each week, and then we rank everybody. This week, it was breaking down Oregon and ranking all the contenders, including Ohio State, on who's the best individual defensive player. Next week, we're going to break down North Carolina. Do they deserve to be in? And then we're going to rank all the contenders on who has the best quarterback. So it's fun. It's a little different. There's a lot of Ohio State stuff in there because they're in the national title picture. So if you care about the Buckeyes, and if you're listening right now, you do, it's a way to put them in context nationally every single week. But this was Buckeye Talk. That's not me saying that was Buckeye. See, I didn't say that was Buckeye Talk. I said this was Buckeye Talk. So it's not the thing yet, right? Don't worry. It's not the thing yet. Here it comes. Get ready for Nathan Baird and Stephen Means. I'm Douglas Maurice. And that was Buckeye Talk. Mm-hmm.